The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one, welcome all. It is Tuesday, the first Tuesday in the month of May, May 2nd, 2023. It is 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on the dot which means we are gathered here on the blog on the boys youtube channel as well as the blog on the boys twitch channel for the latest btb roundtable you can watch us live participate live in the show you can watch us after the fact at your own convenience or you can listen at your own convenience on the blog of the boys podcast network make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so my name is rjo Ochoa. there are three horsemen with me tonight we will start in our upper right quadrant tony catalina anthony how are you doing this particular evening i'm good i'm feeling good how about yourself this is supposed to be a question about you. You're supposed to tell us about you and how you're doing more than just I'm, I'm good. good. A little bit more than that. I'm polite. I'm polite. That's all. Uh, Tony, I'm glad that you're rested after a very fun weekend of draft coverage. Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys have a draft class that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, absent from our festivities over the weekend because he was participating in a wonderful birthday party. Brandon Clements. Brandon, it's great to see you. How are you feeling? Doing pretty good. The weather, Mother Nature did not want my daughter to have a great birthday party with all the rain here in the Northeast. But luckily for me, I have a two-car garage built with a nice TV so the sports fans could watch the draft and the kids could have a lot of fun in the garage. So it, it turned out pretty well. Yeah, I'm with you. There was a big time storm in my area on Friday night. Uh, maybe, you know, Mother Nature was upset about the Luke Schoonmaker pick. Uh, and that uh, <laughs> created some uh, situations in the area. My power actually went out right before the Cowboys seventh round pick. So a big shout Ooh. out to Brandon Laurie, who landed the plane uh, as far as our live coverage was concerned. With us tonight, returning to the roundtable for the first time in many, many, many moons, also originally from the Northeast. Uh, I'm not going to say where because I don't want your family to be run over with all sorts of Cowboys fans. It is the one and only Sean Martin. Sean, how are you this evening? What up, OJ? It took every bit of a straight to not wear a Texas Longhorn shirt for Demarion Overso. We're going to talk some draft, of course, so it would have been fitting. But I uh, held myself back since you know you were kind enough as an Aggie to invite me on tonight to not wear Hook'em uh, Orange. Uh, Sean currently lives in Austin, Texas, uh, the city narcissistic enough to consider itself the capital of the state of Texas. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, it is what it is. Sean, the uh, the video audience can see. Watsamata says, hey, guys, what's up, Watsamata? Hope you are doing well. Uh, but, Sean, the video audience can see you are um, facing the sun at AT&T Stadium. You're right into it, um, like Cedric Wilson in the playoff game. I'm going to complain about it after the fact. Yeah, humans versus the sun. We are just going to brave this thing. I think the, uh, the reason I set this up is because I went on, like, a Philly podcast, and they wanted me to be all, you know, cowboyed out. And this, that was the last time I used whatever we're using for this. So I saw it pop back up from the last time I used it, and I'm like, well, we'll go with it. So uh, that's why we're staring into the sun tonight. Hmm. Okay, that's – um. Well, I would say well said, but that's the issue that annoys everyone. You know what I'm kind of sick of, Tony? I, I don't need any more people that go to different events at AT&T Stadium to tweet out. Curtains, oh, yeah. look. There, yeah, there are curtains. We know. Like, the same joke yeah. has been made a million times. We don't have to do that bit every time. Like, you know, the most recent run was the Taylor Swift concert there. Like, we don't need to know that there are. We, we've known that. The stadium is 14 years old. We are fully aware that there are curtains that they use for other things that they don't use for Cowboys games, we can let the joke lie. All right? Everybody caught up to speed on that? I feel that? like that's Good. a bold statement come from someone that recycles the same, like, five jokes all the time, but all right. <laughs> I have never recycled a joke ever in my life, uh, but thank well, you, Sean. Uh, Sean, I know it's been a while since you've been on the roundtable, but there are winners. Uh, actually, there's only one winner, and the way to win is to get points. I'm the person in charge of the points, so you're really kind of not doing yourself any favors um, calling me out for my uh, lack of creativity in the joke department. You would never give a Longhorn points or a transplant Longhorn, whatever you want to call me. So. <laughs> 
All right, enough of this. Uh, let's get to it. The 2023 Dallas Cowboys draft class is well-seasoned by this point in time. We've all had a lot of time to, to sit and digest. Uh, Sean, Brandon, I know you weren't here over the weekend, but Tony was just devastated about the Mazdi Smith pick. I mean, Tony was down. He was a dog with his tail tucked between his legs. And now Tony's acting like Mozzie Smith is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And that's something that can happen, right? With time, we can learn, we can accept, we can adjust, we can adapt. So Brandon, uh, you've had a lot of time. So these are your first words since the Cowboys used all of their draft picks. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I, I did write a few uh, articles throughout the off season with a few of these players' names. So they weren't surprise picks for me, so I was I was very happy to see some of the guys come off the board. Uh, I mean, I like Junior Fajoko. That was a nice pick. Uh, Overshone was another great player that, I, you know, we, we did a mock. Uh, Tony was on uh, recently, so that was a name that we've, we've all talked about. And, and I don't know if you guys can see this, but, you know, I don't know if it's backwards or not, but I did write this down on the last week's roundtable. Luke Schoonmaker is a – I had him as a late second, early third round pick, and uh, he just so happened to uh, – you know, fall in that area. So I was, I was pleased by the pick. I know some of our, uh, our BTB family members wanted some other names in particular, but I like school. I like Lou Schoonmaker. I think he's going to be a good fit for the Cowboys and this tight end room looks pretty good. And, and I'm pleased overall because as everybody knows, I am not, I was not tight end first round guy all, all off season. So I'm very pleased that the Cowboys went in a different direction. So I, I'm looking forward to just, uh, you know, seeing how these guys develop and, and I saw the jersey numbers today, so I'm excited to see uh, guys like Deuce Vaughn wearing a 42. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get into the jersey numbers in a little bit. But, Sean, um, it did seem like the collective Cowboys you know, fan, Cowboys Nation as a whole, um, really kind of quickly got over whatever disappointment they had about Mozzie Smith. By Friday night when the Cowboys, or at least when uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers were on the clock, everybody was down with Mozzie Smith. But the Friday night picks took a little bit longer for people to come around on. I know you're proud of DeMarvion Overshone, but there are still some people who aren't totally there. The Luke Schoonmaker pick, to Brandon's point, has been the subject of a little bit of consternation. How do you feel? Do you feel like the Cowboys really did land their tight end of the future? Well, I think in some way it always shows that, you know, they, they have a player that, hi, Boo, uh, they have a player that, you know, fits, it shows that they have a type of tight end. You know, I think Sudamaker is a similar build to a Jake Ferguson in play style, to a Peyton Hendershot. So you put those three together and it doesn't put any pressure on, one given name to have to be the guy. And so you can mix those three together. You can play a lot of two tight end sets, which is, isn't something that McCarthy has done a ton of, but that's just because of the personnel he's had. I think if he could, he would have done more just based on, you know, how the West coast offense wants to operate. So I think we can look forward to using some more two tight end sets. I think Sumaker sets the edge very well in the run game. I went back and looked at some of his tape and that's definitely something that jumped out to me. So you, you picture him setting the edge or letting Tony Pollard get in some open space, and he could definitely be the tight end of the future. Just for that trade alone, he stretches the field well, has soft hands. So you mix him in there, like I said, of two other somewhere players that also got their beaks wet last year, a year in the system already with Ferguson and Henderson, and somewhere in there there's going to be a tight end of the future for Prescott to throw to. That's a great job by you, Sean. My dog was barking in the background, and you timed your answer perfectly to where he finally stopped. Uh, so <laughs> Uh, a few extra points to Sean uh, for reading the room, yeah. so to speak. Uh, Tony, Michael Grove, I was just playing with my son and we were playing with his Sesame Street toys and we were playing with Grover. So I don't know if you've ever gone by Grover or Michael, but if you haven't, now you can. Uh, Tony, uh, Grover says, the only part of the draft uh, I do not understand is why we did not trade up in the second round. There were still a lot of good guys available in the first 10 picks. The Cowboys did not trade up until the sixth round. Tony Catalina, do you feel like they were wise to wait for Luke Scumbag? <laughs> Yeah, I think the Cowboys um they they understood and 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 stayed true to their board, right? I think they um when they made the move that they did, they didn't even sacrifice any capital this year. They they traded a fifth round that they're probably most likely going to get a compensatory pick for next year. So it almost came out in the wash. So I know that there were people that were talking about moving up in some cases, but if anything, if what you saw from the Cowboys, this, this draft cycle more than anything was they, they're going to believe and lean on what they believe in. Right. So they weren't going to press, they weren't going to go and do too much. They just let the board fall to them. They took the guys that they wanted. And, and ultimately I, I commend them for, you know, standing on their own principles and, and what they believe in. So, so I wasn't surprised that they didn't move up, and, I, and I'm happy that they didn't because uh, the board fell how they wanted it to. So um, we're good. It's fine. Luke Schoonmaker is a good player. Thank you. 
Uh, so um, that being said, the Luke Schoomaker pick, I do. Bear, that is enough. Or we're going to have to kick you out of here. Actually, I'm going to kick him out. Tony, you got this. Got it. So, um, Brandon, let me ask you. Um, so I know you were high on the, the Schoonmaker, and I'm sure RJ will get into it and stuff like that. But what was your initial thought about the Mozzie Smith pick in the first round? I was I was actually pretty happy with it. I, I did kind of tease about it. Uh, like, I think it was a week before I wrote an article about the about the defensive tackles. And he was on my short list of guys that I was OK with the Cowboys taking in the late first round. So that was so I was I was I was pretty happy with it. I, you know, and, you know, I know we're going to talk about it a little more a little bit more later. But when I found out who he was uh, up against one one a uh, for that pick, I was a little you know, I was like, oh, man, it could have gone in a different direction. But I'm I'm really happy with Mozzie Smith. He fills a fills a big need. You know, he, he when he when he makes contact with the offensive line, they're they're not pushing him back. He's pushing. He's either going to stand his ground or he's pushing forward and he's going towards towards the backfield. And you know what? His stats may be what they are, but the stats don't tell the whole story. He's a freak of nature. You've all heard the stories about the the gym equipment and everything. So we we know he's got a, a freakish strength about him. He's just a big dude. It's it's a, a again it's just a big need that the Cowboys uh, checked off and and you know you you know we heard a lot of the audio throughout the weekend it was it was a, finally a chance for the Cowboys where they didn't they could go address it in the first round because a guy that they really liked happened to be there and the value was just right so you know in the end it was it, it worked out really well so I I was very I was very pleased and and that's not to put up a front I you know I. I, you know, I was kind of hoping maybe we go left guard potentially, or you know, you know, another position, maybe receiver. But you know, you can't go wrong with a guy that's a run stuffer who who does who hasn't touched all of his abilities yet. Because I do think he can be a, a pretty decent pass rusher on the inside. We just haven't seen a lot of it yet, but I think it's coming down the line. So you mentioned it, Brandon. By the way, thank you, Tony, and thank you to everyone uh, for understanding how my misbehaved dog couldn't handle himself uh, for a live audience. Uh, David notes that Bear has some killer takes. It certainly sounds that way in my eardrums. Uh, but the Cowboys seem to have debated guard very heavily, and that isn't something that we're just uh, posturing or reading into. That is something they literally said in a rare sort of moment of um, honesty, of uh, vulnerability, um, of whatever you want to call it, the Cowboys released some footage, not just of the secret phone call that we get on an annual basis, but of the war room kind of deciding uh, to draft Mozzie Smith. So we're going to play that. You can access this at DallasCowboys.com on all their social channels, certainly on their YouTube channel. Uh, this is very, very, very interesting, to say the least. I'm going to take the nose call. I mean, we have a one and two together. You got, you got two minutes. We'll just give more up. <laughs> <laughs> well, who would you take? Personally, I would go with them. Mozzie, because I know that he helps us now with the guard. I love the guard, too. My question is, you're adding something to it where we have depth. I think the defensive lineman gives you an immediate starter and something for the future. Here, I am cut through if we missed one of those two guys after having them both here in our hands. Yeah, we're better on a lot of scrimmage with either one of these guys. We've had offensive linemen there. We've had the opportunity to pick them. We've not had a defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman that high in quite some time. We're good. All right. So um, first of all, uh, I didn't tweet this and I'm super pro Mike McCarthy, but the line he says is so cheesy. It could be like in the movie draft day. Like oh, we're better on the line of scrimmage with either one of these guys. Like it's just such a, a, guy, a super a guy. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's the cheesiest line possible. Um, that being said, there was a lot of assumption that the Cowboys were talking about Steve Avila here. It's been reported by many different people that it was apparently Matthew Bergeron. Shout out to you, Brandon, uh, and your Syracuse Orange, who went to the Atlanta Falcons with the 38th overall pick. They traded the 44th and 110th overall picks to get up there, uh, traded with the Indianapolis Colts. So he was definitely limited, went at the top of the second round, just two picks after Steve Avila went to the Rams. That being said, Sean, um, does this surprise you? And not that the Cowboys you know, showed us this, which is super surprising in and of itself. Uh, but the Cowboys kind of had this discussion. They, they have had that opportunity to Will McClay's point a year ago. They took, you could argue, the guard. I mean, I know Tyler Smith is a unicorn in that sense, but they have passed over this position year after year after year after year. And he said, hey, it's finally here. We might as well go ahead and do it. I think it's something that leading up to the draft, we shouldn't have been surprised, but then what always happens is, you know, it's football Christmas, right? So it's Christmas morning and your emotions change and you build up a different excitement compared to what you had going in. So 
going in, we shouldn't have been surprised at all that, you know, the potential for the highest rated player to still be on the Cowboys board was, you know, position like defensive tackle or Mozzie Smith, just because of the overall talent in this class and its lack of star power and all these things we've already covered. But, you know, we shouldn't have been surprised by that. And then it actually happens on the same day that, like I said, football Christmas, you're trying to talk yourself into, but we're still going to get something signing. You know, one of these tight ends is going to be there. And, you know, Michael Mayer was, but they passed on that, even though there was reports of all kinds of interest there. So, you still had hope that they would get, you know, a skilled position or an immediate need, but this still does feel an immediate need and shouldn't come as a surprise. It is cool that the Cowboys peel back the coat and let us saw that. And certainly the building believes in Dan Quinn and uh, Will McClay. Those are two names that carry a lot of weight here. And they both uh, had a say in this pick being what it was. Tony, do you feel like the Cowboys made the right call? Should they have gone Matthew Bergeron or was Mozzie the right read for the reasons Will McClay outlined? Maybe anything else you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the tease, and I know you know that I have an article coming out here soon in the next couple of days where I, I do say I think Mozzie Smith ended up being the right pick. So based on, you know, it's glad – I love seeing that type of footage there. When you get to really hear them talk about it, as cheesy as Mike McCarthy is, the way Mil- Will McClay talked about it, saying, like, we haven't had a, an interior defensive line guy be this high on our board and have a chance to take him in a very long time. When you look at what a what a true, like, nose tackle or, you know, big interior guy in the middle can do for the rest of your defense, um, at first I was, you know, I was ahead of the camp of the skepticism, but, you know, you kind of look at what the Cowboys and, and Dan Quinn specifically are looking to do with this defensive unit. I, I think they ended up making the right selection. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm I'm, I'm positively um curious to see what happens but yeah they did the right thing yeah brandon we were talking about tiktok before we started recording or streaming and you ever see like whether it's like on instagram or some sort of social it's, it looks like a word search and they're like the first word you see is the thing you'll eat for dinner it feels like the cowboys first word they saw in the in the like haze was mozzie smith um and so while i'm sure it bums you out to not have matthew bergeron be the newest member of the dallas cowboys this does feel you know and, and this point was made and in, in, as people were talking about this that you know, what Will McClay said, I mean, we we bag on them for not drafting a defensive tackle in the first round, but but the value hasn't been there. You know, they, they even kind of tried to force that issue with Tristan Hill a little bit. Not the same kind of interior defensive lineman, but still sort of the same overall, you know, narrative, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, it feels like they finally found one that fit from a value and a team and a culture standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. When I saw the audio come out about the, the video about Matthew Bergeron being the, the, uh, the alternate choice, of course, you know, being a Syracuse guy, you know, it, it was, I was, I was like, oh man, that would have been cool. But you know what, you know, Will McClay made a good point. Let's, 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 let's solidify a position that is an actual need. I mean, the, I mean, they're obviously banking on some, a lot of things around the Tyron Smith injury, hopefully no injury situation, but it, it seems like to me that the team feels that they like what they have on the roster already at, you know, at, at an offensive line. So I think that I think that played a, a bigger role where they're like, you know what, why don't we get the, the defensive tackle, the guy who's probably the highest on, you know, aside from maybe a Jalen Carter or, a, you know, a Kansi, uh, maybe the highest guy on their board. I don't know. I don't know what their board looked like, to be honest with you. But I mean, that's that's what it really came down to. It was just a value. And it was it was a smart pick by the team. And and you know what? We the Cowboys solidified they, they solidified offensive line. I mean, a lot of people were like, "Oh, why why are they going in the in the fifth round uh, with uh, Asim Richards from North Carolina?" But he's got positional flexibility, so it, I think it's just more of a camp body. To you know, there's you know obviously Willetsko still there. You know, my favorite guy, Josh Ball, is still there. We, you know, we have a lot of guys. It's going to be a good competition, I think. And the and the best thing about this is the best guy's going to win the win the backup job, and that's it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. I think the offensive line is going to be in good shape going forward. I did see a lot of people, you know, I saw it on social media that they were, you know, they weren't pleased. They were like, okay, so we were debating, you know, offensive line in the first round. So why wouldn't we have addressed, addressed it till the fifth round? It was because the value there was, they didn't see the, they from the, obviously their board didn't have the value all the way up until that fifth, uh, fifth round selection to, you know, go with that player to, to that position. So that to me, it was, I thought, I thought the team handled it pretty well and, Per usual, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna trust Will McClay on this. 
Uh, Sean, first of all, Ethan has asked if you can close the curtains, uh, please. Uh, <laughs> Only if Taylor Swift is performing. That's true. Or if uh, the final four is there, or uh, I know you'll appreciate this, Sean, if George Strait is there, um, you know, Fallout Boy, anything like that um, gets the curtains out. But, you know, Cowboys trying to get to the NFC Championship game for the first time in 30 years, not a big enough deal. Uh, that being said, uh, Sean, to the I point actually that- actually tentatively trying to win. Get tickets to a George Strait concert at Mile High Stadium. So I'm sure you can make some kind of yeah, you connection. Know, you know, do, do your thing and tie Blanco's Cowboys yeah. back into this somehow. But the King has done like six farewell tours. So I mean, why wouldn't you go to this one if it's really the last one? Uh, but that being said, uh, Sean, we make so much about well, you can't draft for need. You have to draft the best player available. And to me, that's the most fascinating part about what Will McClay is talking about is he almost kind of deviates from that. And I don't mean to be dramatic about it or, or hyperbolic, but he himself is like, yeah, Mozzie um, Smith helps us more now. I mean, as far as who this roster is now. So you can make an argument that maybe on some level they think that Bergeron is a superior player. Maybe he's even ranked higher on their board, but that Mozzie Smith fits a need in the current moment. Is that not interesting to you? Well, isn't that exactly what we wanted to see, you know, the start of the offseason, they made some big win-now moves of Stephon Gilmore trade, Brandon Cook's trade, and to the best they could, we wanted to see them follow that up in the draft. There's always going to be an extent in the draft, and I wrote about this too, of you know looking ahead a little bit more than fans might realize. I think all the optimism from those trades and the rest of the offseason and getting Quinn back really had fans thinking like, oh, we need to completely just focus on the now in this draft. That's just not how drafts work, and you know the Cowboys have a lot of guys in the building who have been a- around for a while, so they did start to look ahead. You know, it was always the third round of Overso, who could be your, your future linebacker. So, but in the first round of Smith, I mean, yeah, that is an immediate need. I think I wrote that if it was an official metric, the Cowboys might have led the league last year in near sacks. I mean, how many times is Parsons this close or was DeMarcus Horowitz that close? I mean, those guys just fly off the edge and they almost got there countless times. Well, when they almost get there and that quarterback is forced to step up, who can be the guy that can be right in the middle of the line of scrimmage to bring them down? I think that's Smith, and so that, that can go a very long way in this defense. So if that's you know, what he brings on day one, yeah, sign me up for that being the type of win-now move that this team wanted to make. Yeah, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but a big reason for Aiden Hutchinson's production at Michigan was the fact that Mozzie Smith was his teammate and was along the same defensive line. Um, Let's see here. Uh, David offers a big one-tech. Space Eater has been a need for eight years. Uh, Again, a a solid one because they have found some, but they've been all, um, you know, kind of cast off dudes. Tony Catalina, the question that I'm about to ask you as we take a look at the entire Dallas Cowboys draft class is, who have you changed your mind on the most that is not Mozzie Smith? And, and for the purposes of uh, interesting conversation, not Luke Schoomaker, since we already talked about him. Sure. I mean, I and, think and, the and one part. to be per- clear, the, the changing of your mind can be negative, too. Like, you were hyped in the moment, and you're kind of a little bit down now. No, I think um, yeah, the, the one person that I, I, I changed in a real positive manner was the, the Marvion Overshone. And I would say that's it's, it's interesting for me to have that point of, point of view because I was pretty excited about the player. But, uh, you know, again, a lot like this draft, when you initially look at it, the value didn't really stack up to the way it kind of got it shook out. There was a lot of mocks, a lot of people that have figured Overshone could have been could have been had in the fourth or the fifth round. So I'm intrigued by his athletic traits, his blitzing ability, what he can bring in the special team world now what he can develop into as as a linebacker i mean the linebacker as a whole is 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 a pretty big question right like does the clark take the next step like where is jabril cox in this there's no more anthony barr leighton vandash is you know he is who he is but outside of that like what do we really have so i think it's uh they address the need um at first i thought it was a little early but i'm super intrigued by the player Mm, that's um that's interesting i'm still not all the way there on overshun that's probably the one that i'm least into thrilled by i won't lie to sean's point um you know his collegiate tape is not fun to look at for me personally but um it kind of is what it is what's amada says the most for me it's deuce i was absolutely dead set against it then started looking at the tape brandon i feel like they're you know no offense to what's amada i feel like uh there were no real people against the deuce pick i feel like that that's the like the the candy right like that's the you know the the dessert like that's something that i again i can't think of a, a take i've seen from a cowboys fan that was at any point upset by the deuce fun pick no i i certainly wasn't i was as i was cleaning up for my daughter's birthday party i had the tv on in the in the garage while i was cleaning up and you know i, I hear that you know i hear the commentators talking about the the pick coming up and as soon as i heard deuce vaughn i 
you know, I kind of, uh, it was very audible, like excitement. And my wife opens the door from the kitchen and she's like, I'm guessing you like who they picked. And I'm like, absolutely. I love Deuce Vaughn. I, you know, I've watched him the last few years and, you know, of course he torched the, the big 12 and I watched the, you know, as a Baylor fan as well, it was, you know, watching him play and, and, and it was nice to have him break off almost a 90 yard touchdown against the, uh, uh, the Crimson Tide. So that was, that was nice as well. And, and obviously with the connection uh, with his father, you know, as a part of the organization, it, it, to me, it was a full circle moment. I get that he's a five foot five guy. I get he's, you know, he doesn't check all the boxes from that standpoint, but he's one hell of a, f- a football player. And, and to get a guy who, who's just as talented as he is this late in the draft, I was, I was very, very happy about it. You know, of course, I wanted to get my guy, Sean Tucker, any, any Syracuse guy would have liked to gotten this year. But, you know, to get Deuce Vaughn, I was, I was very pleased. And honestly, the one guy that I didn't know very much about was, and, and I don't know if he's going to make the team or not, but, I, you know, I went back and watched the tape, and it's seventh-round pick Jalen Brooks out of South Carolina. You know, his story was really interesting. I, you know, I know his, his 40 time was uh, not great. You know, I looked at, I looked at all that information, but I, went and I watched some of his highlights. And he played in the SEC this past year, and he, you know, he, he flashed some ability. He seems like he has pretty good hands. So I've kind of come up, like, I know it's a seventh-round pick, so, I mean, you're not making much of a big deal about it. But I'm like, hmm, I wish they could have gotten this guy or that guy. But when I looked at the tape, you know, I was like, okay, this guy might have a, ch- a shot to make the team as a, as a fifth, you know, maybe a fifth or sixth receiver. So that would be my guy. And I know whether he makes the team or not is going to not make or break the Cowboys' season. But that's the that was the one guy that I was kind of surprised got drafted. Sean, um, I want to stick on the Deuce Vaughn thing. Back to Watson Mata's point says I all I heard was five foot run five five running back, and I'm oh my goodness. I thought about writing something about this, and I didn't, um, just because I didn't have power, like I said, and it was a big old thing, and you know got busy, you know, just kind of stuff. Uh, but you know, we made a big old deal, Sean, about well, the Mozzie Smith pick is the Cowboys, you know, finally changing their philosophy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I kind of think Deuce Vaughn is the same sort of thing. Now there's the narrative of his father and all that stuff like that that kind of gets in the way of looking at who he is as a player. But this super tiny, small dude, I mean, the Cowboys, you know, have have had one of their bigger, you know, we talk about how great they are in the draft. One of their biggest misses in recent memory was because they held so tight to conventional norms. Oh, T.J. Watt's arms are too short, doesn't fit the physical profile of what we want. To Brandon's point, they saw Deuce Vaughn said, this dude's good at football. We'll figure it out. We'll make it work. And that is a really good thing. I'm just happy we're at the point that the organization can be looked at as this pick not being, you know, I was just so happy not to see Eagles fans like running with it and making a joke of this, like, oh, the Cowboys just drafted this dude because he's related to one of the front office members. This is why they'll never win. Like, you know, me and you have been doing this a while. You could totally picture in the years past, it would just be all hanging through for that to be something that gets written about this pick. But the tape defends it. The tape backs up Deuce Vaughn as a football player. The positional need is there. The value at that point in the draft is certainly there. So, you know, you need a running back. Like I said, Luke Sumaker setting the edge in the run game. That, you know, he can do that. And if you get Deuce Vaughn on the, uh, to the outside, he can make huge plays. So, yeah, the tape backs it up to where you can't say anything bad about this pick. And we'll see how it works out. It's already one of my favorite annual Cowboys uh, like preseason traditions where we all fall in love with a running back that, that may or may not have a chance to make the team, but it happens every single year without fail. It was uh, what Gus Johnson, like my first year doing this. So we, have, we already have an easy candidate. It's going to be Deuce Vaughn. Everybody's rooting for him in the organization and in the fan world. And uh, but yeah, like I said, and I can't harp on enough, the tape backs up the fact that he absolutely has a chance here. Really good player out of Kansas State. Uh, that was the Gus Bus, uh, Sean, just to use yeah. his official name. Um, I was convinced that Ryan Williams was going to change the world um, as a Cowboys running back. Uh, Tony, st- Tony still has some fresh scars from falling in love with Rico Dowdle uh, this time last year. And Tony, actually, that sets up a, a somewhat related question. Um, do you feel like with the draft over, because this was a narrative, I guess Sean brought up narratives that was out there that the Cowboys still kind of have their eye on Zeke Elliott. I know what Jerry said in the post-draft press conference. Um, what, what does the Cowboys running back group look like? If you have to carry three right now, who are they? Is Zeke one of them? Zeke's definitely not one of them, in my opinion. I, I don't I don't really know why. I guess it's probably for attention that Jerry just stokes the flame on that. It's probably not necessary. I'm I'm of the camp that that, that boat has sailed. But if you look at it right now, I think I think obviously it's Tony Pollard. And then it's really just like 
go play football. Let's see who comes out and who rises up. I mean, I know a lot of people are on Malik Davis. You know, I'm big on Rico Dowell. I think it's going to be a battle between those guys. And then they signed a, you know, a fullback and undrafted free agency that, that trying to change changes the shift of the guard there with, um, you know, the way they kind of stack the running backs. But, you know, I, I know Sean mentioned that it might be a little bit of a camp battle and, but I, I feel like Deuce brings a bring something to this team where like he's gonna have to go out there and show it. But if he goes out there and flashes some ability, like I don't know how much on the roster bubble he's going to be just because he is a late round or late round guy. Um, but I think the real battle is gonna be like it was last year. It's gonna be Ronald Jones, Malik Davis, Rico Dowell. We'll kind of figure it out from there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I can't wait um, for the Cowboys to give Tony Pollard some rest days, or maybe he's, you know, taking things slow because he's coming back off the, the fibula or whatever. And so, you know, the the videos start trickling in of Deuce Vaughn lining up with the starters and just like, I mean, it's, you know, training camp video, but he's like breaking one open and like the, you know, the pandemonium will be um, pretty insane. Brandon, you mentioned Jalen Brooks as a name you like. We haven't really talked a lot about Eric Scott Jr. Um, that was a really random thing. Um, and just to put it in perspective how random it was, we actually wrapped up one half of our live stream coverage on Saturday. And we were going to take a 10-minute break. We told the whole audience, we said, we'll be right back to start the sixth round. The Cowboys are going to pick 212, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then all of a sudden, we had to, like, batten down the hatches. It was like, you know, chaos trying to get back up online because the Cowboys traded up. They must really, really, really like Eric Scott, Brandon. I mean, he was a 30 visit. Um, but, you know, actually, on the subject of undrafted free agents, and I know this is a really long question, um, I did a video earlier today with Connor Lively, Joey Ikes, and Tom Ryle, and we were talking about the UDFAs, et cetera. But think about the corners on this team, all right? So you've got Trayvon Dix, Stephon Gilmore, Deron Blaine. Then we've got Kelvin Joseph and Nashawn Wright, who are both going to make the team because of, of draft pedigree over the last couple of years. And Jordan Lewis, we're at six. So how are you finding a roster spot for Eric Scott Jr.? And if you aren't, why did you trade up to draft this guy? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with what Dan Quinn looks for in cornerbacks. I think he checks enough of those boxes. And I know I know a lot of people are really talking about that 40 time that was uh, not really good. I think it was a 4-7, four, 4-8, four, somewhere around there. But uh, I guess you know the reports are that he was injured, uh, so he had like a quad problem. So he, he even came out and said he runs more like a 4-4. Four, four. So, I mean – so people can, you know, not, you know, they can take that for what you will. Can you believe but, you that? Know, I, did, did, I mean, he came out and said, oh, I run a better time than I was listed at. I mean, you know, like. I, I like a the, lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe the full rate. I don't, I don't, I think, I think the quad is a real thing. I think, you know, those, any of those type of injuries can slow you down a little bit. You know, even if he runs a four or five, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. But I think, I think for Quinn, I feel like he checks, you know, the height boxes, the, the length, you know, the reach, I think, you know, the hands he's, he, you know, I think Dan Quinn looks at that type of stuff. And I feel like obviously it was, and, and, and honestly, you're talking about, you know, trading up for this guy. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not that much a trade cap, you know, draft capital to go up and get sure. a guy that they, they like. So, I mean, it, it, to me, but do yeah, you, do you so think many, he makes the roster right now? Like, does he beat any of those six names I listed? I don't think so. I think at this stage of the game, I would be very surprised if he does, but you know what? But does he if, beat like some UDFA wide receiver and play special teams? Yeah. That's, that is, are they there's but are they are they going to carry seven corners do we think like, i don't no, see it you know? i don't i don't i don't see that i i could see you know what i think a guy i think an undrafted a few undrafted free agents will make the team before him i just there's a couple guys i mean we'll probably talk about it in a little bit but there's a couple guys that i could see making the team pretty easily uh that even weren't drafted so this i think it's more of a flyer i think they want to see you know a camp body see what he can do and if he flashes enough they'll maybe they'll try to sneak them and stash them on the practice squad and, and you know maybe develop them a little bit because they like his traits and 
and you know maybe he maybe he makes something out of himself a year or two. I just I don't think he I don't think he sees any game action this year. I think best case scenario with something you know he he checks enough boxes for Dan Quinn to you know pound on the table, get him drafted, and then let's see what he can do. And if he plays well enough, I think he's one of those practice squad stash kind of guys. Um, we're gonna get to what's about a super chat in just a second, but Sean, I want to finish this subject with this. I love Dan Quinn, right? I'm not here to to slight or smite Dan Quinn, but maybe Dan Quinn is not the best evaluator of corners anymore, right? Nashawn Wright was his guy, and we're sitting here saying, well, I don't know how that's going to work out. And, you know, Dan Quinn has kind of been spoiled as the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. This was kind of a Dan Quinn draft. Tony was the one with egg on his face. Tony wrote an article like two weeks ago said, this is going to be an offensive-heavy draft for the Cowboys, and they just spat in your face, Tony. They made you look like a fool, the Cowboys did. I'm sorry that that, that you had to go through that. Uh, but that being said, Sean, I mean, you know, this similar to Nashawn Wright, when that pick happened two years ago, we were all like, who? You know, who's this guy? Who's, you know, who who does Dane Brugler not have a write-up about that just got drafted inside of the top 100? And this was a similar thing. I mean, like a, a, an undrafted free agent by a lot of metrics or a lot of evaluators. And this is in the sixth round, to be very clear. So not exactly a high-priced commodity. But it's hard to see the vision that Dan Quinn has at corner, given that his track record there as the Cowboys defensive coordinator, Sean, isn't that great. Yeah, I think at this point in the draft, it's, it's important to remember, you know, my favorite saying for how day three the draft is, you know, can be compared to, and I think you all can guess who on Cowboys Twitter might have made this analogy if you think about it, but day three of the draft is playing darts in a hurricane is what I saw out there, and that could be, that's so true. I mean, so if, if there's one trait that you like in a player that you think can make him a player that sticks on your roster, really that's all it takes sometimes to spend – that day three pick. So, I mean, this was a different scenario because you traded up for it, but Eric Scott Jr. has the third longest wingspan of any corner in his draft. The other two went top 100. We know they like wingspan. Maybe that's not enough to, you know, get, get past the fact that Quinn has missed on these picks like we're talking about, but wingspan goes a long way here still. Special teams with a coach that pull some weight in getting his guys too, and you put those together and yeah, it gives Eric Scott as good of a chance as any, any other six rounder around the league to make this roster, but seven corners is hard to see. So it's definitely stacked against him. Yeah. I mean, look, he missed on Kelvin Joseph missed on nation, right? The two best corners that have been drafted in the Dan Quinn era. Not that he's had everything to do with that are Deron Blaine, a fifth round pick. And I would say Israel Mukwamu, who isn't, who isn't even a full-time corner. Um, just, he's just better at the job than either Joseph or Ryder. Uh, so first of all, big thank you to Watsamata for the super chat. Uh, you're the best, Watsamata. Says cold one on Watsamata. Uh, so, you know, any, you know, everybody get what you'd like. Uh, but says also what veterans get bumped off the roster with this draft and undrafted free agency class. Okay, so I like Watsamata's game here. Everyone's going to have to give an answer. Nobody can repeat what anybody says. Uh, so whoever goes last has an extreme disadvantage. Sean, you get to go first. Oh, Which man. Cowboys veteran, current veteran, is potentially in trouble because of the way both the draft and undrafted free agency win? I can put the UDFAs on the board if you would like. No, I'm going to start to stick, stick to the draft class here. Uh, I mean, does Jabril Cox like count as a veteran at this point? Like. I mean, why would why would he not count as a veteran? I was, I was like, he, that's that's kind of he's he's, he's a two year he veteran. The, like, what do you mean? He doesn't see the field though. It's like I don't know. Like, veteran means you actually like play. Like, to me, like you have just been here and you you just been a guy. Like you're not you know. A that's the definition of veteran, Sean. Well, he's, uh, it, he's it been is. Around. Uh, I don't know. To me, it feels like a lame answer because it's just like, all right, yeah, you've been here, so you're a veteran, cool. But like, are you doing anything? Not really. So, like, uh, and because of that, you know that he hasn't done much on the field. Yeah, I would go with him, I guess, just because over so is a, shown as a commitment to doing the same thing at that position. We know that they like the hybrid players, a linebacker, where you can mix in a Jaron Coase and a Donovan Wilson or any of these other safeties can even play Cox's position. So you stack all that against him, and even more so in the last year, it feels like his days could be numbered. Okay, so Watsamata, who inspired the question, says, I rule that Jabril counts as a veteran. So, Sean, you're on the board with an answer. Um, again, there's, right. no repeating what anybody's, yeah, <laughs> there's no repeating what anybody says, including the audience. Uh, so, sorry, Tony. Sorry, Brandon. Faulkner says, Gallimore getting cut, too. Um, let's see here. Faulkner adds, Gallimore might have had a shot to stay with just Mozzie now that Fahoko is there. He's likely gone. Um, I love Smart. our yeah. good friend. Uh, says Gallimore. So Neville Gallimore has been, you know, exercised as an option here. You guys cannot give that. Sean, who do you think should get to go next? Uh, so you're also deciding who has the harder take here, whether it's Tony or Brandon. 
Uh, let's make it hard on Tony. Yeah, let's go. Let's go to Brandon. Okay. <laughs> All right, Brandon, your answer. All right. So for me, it's it's going to be a, maybe an unconventional approach for for some guy just based on his position that he's listed as. So for me, I'm going to go in the undrafted class, and there's one guy that I really like, and it's a uh, Hunter Lepke from uh, North Dakota State. He's yeah, fullback. Full, he, I love that guy. He's a fullback by name. But he plays, he plays the tight end position a lot, and he lines up as a tight end with North Dakota State. So, I mean, for me, like, yes, he's listed as a fullback. I'm sure everybody, everybody's excited because of the lineage of the fullbacks here in, in Dallas with a former uh, Syracuse uh, legend, uh, Moose Johnston. So, that you know, just another Syracuse guy to throw out there. But to me, I think the guy that could be, be on the hot seat because of Hunter is, is Sean McEwen. I think Sean McEwen on, as, a, as the fourth tight end, I think he could be a guy that could be uh, on the outs, on the outs going, you know, outs from the team because I think Hunter Lepke could steal that spot. He could kind of play multiple roles. I think you know they they, they list him as a fullback. He's kind of an H back, but he also has good hands. He's a good he's a good enough blocker. He can run the ball. We've seen his highlight reel. I don't know if you guys have seen the highlight reel, but he's a bulldozer. He reminds me of like a Larry Zonka from back in the day. He runs a lot of guys over. So he, he he's got a lot to his game, and I feel like he would offer more flexibility and you know, on special teams, I think, you know, he runs a four, six, so they could use him on special teams as well. So that's, that's also another important thing. And I think, you know, if I had to take, you know, if I had to take the weakest link out of that area that he could, you know, he could fill in, I think Sean McEwen's the guy that, that, that gets the boot. Uh, so he gets one Michigan guy comes in at the tight end position. One Michigan tight end is out. And I love Sean McEwen. I think he's a talented player, but I think, I think Hunter Lepke, I think he's, he's that undrafted free agent that I think, He's, I think he's one of the better chances of making the roster this year. Yeah, you well, know, RJ, you pointed out like the, Go ahead, you pointed out the, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy football guy, you know, just being total football bro in the war room. Well, sometimes that works. I mean, sometimes football can be that simple. You get a chance to add a fullback from North Dakota State to your roster, you just got to do it. I mean, that just, it goes together. They play in that dome, great fan base. They know how to use the fullback in all the different ways that Brandon just described so well there. So, yeah, when I saw that, I was pretty hyped. Fullback, North Dakota State just makes sense. And I want him to be a part of my football team. I would offer that McEwen counts less as a veteran than Jabril Cox does because the Cowboys didn't even carry McEwen on the 53-man roster for <laughs> so, all so of that season. Getting worse you know? <laughs> yeah, so you're, that's just, you know, that I mean, it counts, Brandon, but, you know, it's it's like, you know, it's like you're – I'm just saying it's like you won an F1 race, but like six of the cars wrecked. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, that's, it's, it's an interesting kind of situation, but, but it hey, counts. Went, you know what I mean? You're, I went on a limb though. And I said an undrafted guy, I didn't pick a draft. No, but they also the spent the yeah, second round pick on a tight end. So like, the, you know, that's, it it's that. not just that. I could have gone. I could have anyway, said, oh, in fact, you follow F one now. So. Brandon, don't yeah, offer we, another answer. Cause you're going to set Tony up for even more failure. If you take somebody else oh, off boy. the board. Uh, so no, Tony, no, no, I wasn't going to uh, say like Mozzie Smith or something. That's too easy. You know what I mean? I, you got to go outside the box. And I figured that going outside the box is, is the way to go. Well, Tony, um, you are the underdog here um, as you have gone last. And you are good friends with Sean McEwen, who Brandon just came for the job of. I mean, so like, yeah, first of all, he's coming for your guy. And, <laughs> you know, he set you up here. Maybe that actually sets you up well, because you certainly weren't going to say Sean McEwen. Uh, but who was the Cowboys veteran that you think is in trouble because of a draft pick or an undrafted fridge? Yeah, so I'm glad that, you know, I went last and it still fell nicely for me. So um, none of those guys are who I was thinking about. But, um, you know, for me, honorable mention, it's it's low-hanging fruit, so I can't really say this is them. But I'm going to say Eric Scott Jr., and he's not going to push out the Nation Rights or the Kelvin Joseph. That's too easy. What I think that he could really affect is Jordan Lewis. Uh, Jordan Lewis, if he could leave, or he's got one year left. If he's a post June court, uh, post June first cut or pre June, it doesn't matter. It's only like one point one million dollars on the cap hit. Um, Eric Scott is intriguing. They traded up for him. So if this was just your run in the mill sixth round draft pick, they took a guy based on traits. Like I'd feel one way about it. But they gave up capital the year pr- uh, the next year. They went up and they made it a pr- like a point to pick this guy. He's he's Dan Quinn's type of style with the length, the athleticism, just the the way he. Plays. I could see him really being like a pet cat in camp for Dan Quinn. So if they can get the type of production where Deron Bland is going to be your nickel corner anyway with Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Gilmore, you already know that Nation and Kelvin Joseph are on, on, on shaky ground. There's a chance that Eric Scott, in my mind, can, uh, can run Jordan Lewis out of here. They play a lot of three safeties. You know what I mean? Like it, it does make sense that they just decide to, to move on. And 
it's horrible that it comes down to this, but we see this happen all the time. He's coming off of an injury. They may feel like we don't want to waste the time, et cetera. If they do cut Jordan Lewis, Tony, uh, what percent of it will be so that they can hand deuce Vaughn number two? I mean, that's my whole, no, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, that's not my whole thing, but (laughs) no, I think that that would be fun. And I said that, I mean, that's an easy thing. If Jordan Lewis ain't in there, Deuce Vaughn doesn't have to be Troy Hambrick anymore. Um, well, I really like 42 on Deuce Vaughn. I think I'm alone on that. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll get to the, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my yeah it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of cool. Like I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm interested at least, um, to, you know, whatever. I don't like the, the single digits, but if he wears number two, obviously that's cool, uh, for a different reason. None of you were kind enough except for Watsamata, I guess, to ask me for my opinion. Um, so all of you lost points, uh, for that opportunity. Uh, my answer is going to be Simi Fahoko. I think he's the, the veteran in trouble. Um, and it's not really because of the draft picks. The Cowboys did sign four receivers and undrafted for agency. Actually, let's get that class up here. Um, and I don't know that I like really believe in any one of them in particular. Sorry, what's my way to take the comment off here for a second. Uh, but doing the undrafted for agency video earlier with Joey, Connor, and Tom, uh, both Joey and Connor really sold me on Jalen Moreno Cropper. I didn't know a lot about him at first. And I just, I mean, Simi Fahoko, when he first came in, I don't know if you guys remember, I know I brought it up on the live stream, his athletic comp, his, you know, mock draftable comp, spider chart, whatever comparison, next gen stat comparison, I remember writing at the time, was literally DK Metcalf. And that just hasn't translated. And I know a lot of people think that Jalen Tolbert is probably the first guy out, but Jalen Tolbert has the recent draft stock. Jalen Tolbert has, still has the shine of like, we don't know what he could be. We still want to take some time. I feel like Simi Fahoko's had the time. I thought last year that Simi Fahoko would play Noah Brown out of a roster spot and he didn't i mean and so i i just think you know i also think as we put the uh the, un, uh, the undrafted fragrance on here david durden is on this list and we mentioned in the video he was prospect x that kaylin kayla wrote about in the athletic and in the conversation that he had with mike mccarthy he was again according to the story told that noah brown's special team snaps were up for grabs and so i could see them you know just kind of finding somebody else they they have brandon cooks now so that takes up one spot so it's not like you know, somebody's just replacing Noah Brown. They have to make room somewhere. And I think that Simi Fajoko may be the guy that's, um, you know, getting the short end of the stick. Does that make sense to anybody? I agree. I mean, this is, um, I, I hang out and talk to a lot of people who are like big in the Simi Fajoko camp, but uh, shout out to Troy Dudley. He mentions Antonio Callaway. <laughs> yeah, which I, you know, I, I wrote an article about Antonio Callaway being, you know, pushing for that fourth pick. We got to see what Jalen Tolbert got. And like you said, there's some intriguing undrafted free agent guys. So Simi Fajoko quietly, has a huge off-season training camp up here for him for his like his playing career. Really, I mean, it's we've always heard about what he can do and what his ability is, and it just hasn't materialized. So I think you're right on the money there. Wow, Tony understands how to play the game. Sean, Brandon, take notes. You know, he knows. I what's think up. this. Tight I end, would well, love. I think this, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead no, I have nothing else to add. Well, that's cool. Okay, <laughs> I, I think this tight end room also. Um, Puts kind of some pressure on Fahoko. Uh, I kind of touched on that a little bit in one of my recent articles, I think. But, you know, I think just the looks that they want to play, like I said, they, they have a lot of flexibility with these, these tight ends now. And even uh, Princeton Fant is a UDFA that if you listen to Hidden Yardage, we talked about a bit. And uh, my co-host Mark Lane is high on. So you, know, you could even go all the way as far as the UDFA class, a tight end, to see why it might be a good idea for him to play more tight ends or wide receivers on the field at certain times. And so that's not good news for, of course, you know, anybody outside the big two of CDIM and uh, Brandon Cooks right now and then whoever the third's going to be. So that's not great news. Michael for Gallup, wow. The, the Michael uh, Gallup, Gallup yeah, well, respect. well, I mean, um, okay. Yeah, I, Gallup, yeah. Along those lines, though, Sean, there was that conversation last year that kind of weirdly crept up that is Simi Fahoko going to convert to tight end, right? Like, and I do feel like if they were already having that conversation with him before entering his second season in the NFL, and then he couldn't beat Noah Brown. I mean, like, think about it. He got beat out by Noah Brown and Dennis Houston prior to the season starting. Like that just doesn't bode well for Simi Fahoko in my mind. I would love to be wrong there, but again, just reading the tea leaves, those are the things that make sense. We're going to end with the Jersey number conversation in a little bit, but before we do, we're going to go around the horn one last time. Each of you are going to tell us something that you cannot go to bed without saying. That's it. As it relates to the draft, it could be anything you want, positive, negative, whatever. Tony, you go first. I mean, you know me. I was I was championing the whole, you know, the the draft, you know, the value wasn't great. You know, I, I had a uh, – it was uncharacteristic of me. I, I'm not a very pessimistic person. But when you're you live – You chicken and you little for, all day long. Sky's yeah, falling, it was, baby. I, I must have had something, you know, I must have woke up on the wrong side of the bed because every pick I was just like – 
I wasn't upset by it, but I was like questioning it too much. So I, I do trust, you know, I've done some more homework. I look back on it and, you know, there are some sound reasoning for the players that they picked. And I think that it could work out now where they splashy names in a lot of cases, definitely not that, but this was a textbook. Will McClay, Dallas Cowboys draft, Dan Quinn era. Like, this is something you should expect. Four offensive players, four defensive players. And you know what? Like, like you've said, and you've reminded me a few times, like, they've, they've earned the trust. So I'm going to let us go into camp and the OTAs and see how this plays out. Okay. That's well said. Good luck following that, Brandon, but you have to try. All right. I'll give it my best shot. So I'm just going to go back to the undrafted guys. There's, there's a, the undrafted free agents that we have. There's two guys that I will not be surprised that make the roster this year. And yes, they, they may look at, they may be looked at as uh, defensive ends slash linebackers slash edge, but Darrell Johnson, who led the country in tackles for losses past year is a very talented and underrated player. He could have been drafted and, and the people wouldn't have been mad about that. He's a very good football player. And then Isaiah land who won the Buck Buchanan uh, award in, uh, in the FCS. He's another very talented guy. He had, I think he had nearly 20 sacks a year ago, there's a lot of talent in this in this undrafted free agent class. So any 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 of those edge rushers on the roster might want to look out because Darrell Johnson, Isaiah Land could be coming for those jobs because those two guys are very very talented. I'm I'm excited for both of those guys. I, I watched enough of their tape. He, they're they're both they both have a legitimate shot to really steal a roster spot. And and a lot of people know Isaiah Land because of his awards and. He was one of those guys that, you know, he, he could have left. He could have le- he could have left the FCS level and gotten and gone to the SEC. But he said, you know what, these guys took a chance at me and you know and you know in the FCS and I'm going to stay here. But guess what? He he's he's a really good player. But you got to watch out for Darrell Johnson out of Liberty. I watched him play against against my Syracuse Orange. He just he just was just nasty. He's just a talented player. Everybody was watching Malik Willis, you know, back when he was at Liberty not too long ago. But the guy that people weren't, you know, paying attention to enough was Darrell Johnson. He's a and and his weight he's put on he's put on some weight. He's not two thirty anymore. He's two hundred fifty pounds, which is definitely big enough to play on the edge. He's a good run. He's a good run stuffer. Obviously, by tackles for loss. So I'm really excited for this undrafted free agent class. I think I think a couple of those guys could really steal some spots. We'll see. That's a tough position to crack at defensive end. Although, you know, maybe it's maybe Dante Fowler's a surprise cut because one of these guys just played their way onto the roster. We'll totally see. Uh, Sean, you are up. Uh, I do want to say that Ethan has given Tony five points for making him feel better about the draft class. But Sean, one last thing that you cannot say or cannot leave this roundtable without saying. Well, you probably notice better than a lot of people I've covered drafts with. When I lock onto a prospect that I happen to like his tape, I mean, I I am locked onto that guy being a pet cat. And when I watch the Seam Richards' tape, we know the Cowboys already have a great track record of taking collegiate tackles, moving them to guard, and that was the buzz. As soon as he was picked, this guy could be a great guard. I mean, I think buy into the hype early. He could already be, you know, we're already hearing guys like Josh Ball, converted tackle, Terrence Steele, converted tackle. We're going to get a chance at left guard. Go ahead and throw Richard's name in there, and I think he could be just as good as either of them and really push and then allow one of those two to go back to tackle because at some point here, we could say the Cowboys are great converting guard, tackles to guard, but they actually need a tackle to play tackle. So we'll figure that out. <laughs> but I think Asim Richards is a potentially a great guard. The tape reminds me of Tyler Smith a little bit of tackle where it's like guys are running around him and you're like, what's going on here? But then when he does get his hands on guys, the striking is great. He's really... Um, you know, can knock knock defenders back. Hand placement is great. Hands inside, bull rust, handling that well type of stuff. So I've seen Richards at guard. I have high hopes for a really good tape. That's really interesting. I've seen Richards not getting a lot of discussion, not getting a lot of chatter. Um, so kudos to you, Sean, for going off the beaten path to find something to talk about here tonight. Um, I should let you all know as we get ready to end while talking about jersey numbers that Tony has a five-point lead. Uh, and they were actually the five points that Ethan gave to him. So Ethan is the person uh, maybe, you know, changing the course of history here in BTB Roundtable Universe history. Um, so that being said, Sean, Brandon, you know what's at stake. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys did announce the jersey numbers for their rookie draft class on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to go in order here. Mozzie Smith, we already knew, we were number 58. Luke Schoonmaker wearing number 86. It wasn't even cold yet, number 86, before the Cowboys handed it to Luke. Uh, DeMarvion Overshone for now. I mean, all these are for now and temporary. I have to imagine some of these will change. Uh, being given number 35, which is just a tough scene for a linebacker in the NFL. Junior Fajoko wearing number 93. 
I'm okay with this personally, but it's still kind of gross. Sean's boy, Asim Richards, wearing number 76. Oh, man. Just, again, really, really tough um, here. You know, 37 for your yeah, boy. That's a tackle Tony. number. It doesn't work. So. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking 37 on a corner. Okay, yeah, we, we moved on. Good. Disgusting. Um, I, I just... I'm sorry. I can't handle it. Deuce Vaughn's wearing 42. We already talked about that. And Jalen Brooks wearing number 83. Uh, so you all have a chance to kind of cast a wide net, maybe pick up some extra points as we wrap this up. Uh, Tony, you are the clubhouse leader, which means you get to go first and then decide who goes next. Uh, your thoughts here on all the numbers and who will follow you. Honestly, it's not so bad. Like Mozzie Smith getting his number, Schoonmaker getting his number. I personally, if you're looking at it right now, I think Overshone and Vaughn should straight up switch. I think you know, 42 <laughs> would probably fit him better. 35 would probably fit him better. Um, everything else I feel good about. I like Fajoko in 93. Scott is is nasty. That's nasty work. I'll tell you that. 37 is a tough yeah. is a tough look for a cornerback. But um, other than that, like it's not too too bad. You knew the first two picks are gonna get uh, the first two picks are gonna get their numbers. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, I, I Vaughn, like I said, I tweeted it out. Vaughn's a not a big guy. So 42 is going to look wide on him. So, you know, um, you got to get him in single digits. I know how you feel. You don't really love the single digits. But when you're pint size, you got to get a pint size number. Okay. So the instructions were to also pick who would go next. Yeah. You missed an opportunity to get extra points for following instructions to a T. That's on you. That's not on me. But who's going next? I had to put a period on my statement and then catch a breath and then say that Sean's mm. going to go next. You muted your mic, so you've actually been exposed. But it is what it is. Sean, you're up. Well, I know I can't make the points back talking good about a Longhorn, but let me just throw this in anyway because, <laughs> you know, 35, I think it's going to be a right number for Overshown just because he wears a million armbands on the field. And, I don't know, I'm just picturing, like, the 35 with the armbands. Like, to me, it, it works. If he was just, like, you know, going to be old-school linebacker, nothing on his arms, bare jersey, 35, and nothing else, yeah, gross. But, yeah, the 35 is some swag on the arms and everything. Uh, I think that's going to work pretty good. And like I said briefly for Asim Richards, I like him better as a guard than a tackle right now. 76 feels like a tackle number. So if my prophecy is going to come true there, I think he needs to change numbers and make himself a good guard and something other than 76. Um, I will say, you know, Overshown, kind of a thumper of a player. Has some Kayvon Frazier vibes, also wore number 35. So, like, I kind of – that's a good point with the armbands, Sean. Like, it just kind of looks like a like a soldier. Like, that's like like yeah. a, like a an action that's figure. That's an old-school, um, like, Friends of the Soul reference there, too, because I know you got to interview Kayvon Frazier when he was drafted, too. I interviewed Kayvon, yeah, the Saturday or the Sunday after he was drafted. That was a, That's a good throwback, Sean. Thank you for that. Ooh, Sean's playing to the host. Uh, he knows how to do this. Uh, okay, Brandon. Um, well, they, they took a lot of points. Um, so apparently, you know, make make lemonade, Brandon. You got this. Uh, I'm gonna try. So I, I do like the numbers. The the 58 Smith just brings me back to those flashbacks of uh, a guy who's no longer in the league anymore by the same last name. I won't I won't mention who he was, but he played for the Cowboys in 2020. So it's a little funny of a flashback for me there. And and I'm speaking of flashbacks, I'm looking at two other numbers. So Scott at 37. Brings me back to another player that played in the secondary. And I'm going to go back to the 90s with a James Washington. Uh, that was uh, not the James Washington that we recently had on the Cowboys, but the other James Washington from the 90s. The Super Bowl and, uh, winner. He was, yeah, Super Bowl winner. So, you know, maybe that'll give us a little good luck there. And then sticking to the 1990s, because that was my favorite era, and that's the, the greatest era in, in, in the Cowboys' uh, history, I'm going to go to number 42, which to me it's so weird seeing Deuce Vaughn wearing 42 knowing – that Chris Warren, who was like 6'2", 230-pound running back, wore that number for the Cowboys and obviously the, the Seahawks before that. So that's a little weird for me. I, I and RJ, to your point, you know, I selfishly want to see him wear uh, the number two for an obvious reason. So that would be kind of cool. But the rest of the numbers, I, I feel like overshowing, that's, that's cool. 35 is a cool for, for his position. The rest of the numbers kind of are status quo to me, but – it just looking at these numbers, it kind of, you know, you know, it brought a flashback to me because, you know, I, I, I like the guy like James Washington from back in the day. And then a Chris Warren, you know, those those guys kind of uh, memories of, of my childhood with the 1990s uh, Cowboys. I know Chris Warren kind of came in at the bad part of the 90s, but nevertheless, you know, it just reminded me when I saw you see Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn is almost, a, you know, a, a foot shorter than, than Chris Warren. So that was kind of funny to me. And then again, um, Asim Richard at 76, you know, that, that kind of brings back some cool vibes for, for an offensive lineman as well. So 
you know, that's that's kind of where I go with the the numbers. I'm not a huge numbers guy, but it just I, I've always tied my numbers to to players that I liked over the years. So that's kind of where I go with numbers. I'm like, okay, who wore this number last? And those those numbers I mentioned kind of just bring back some some memories, good and bad, uh, for the Cowboys. I'm surprised nobody was given 27 um, because J. Ron Curse is twitching to zero. So technically it is available. Um, so I think like Tony, you Scott would maybe feel better. Too. Yeah, or or maybe Deuce Vaughn. I think we'd all feel better about Deuce Vaughn in 27 than 42. Yeah, well, no. um, Running back. Eddie George. Know, Although, uh, but but 27 yeah. to me is kind of like a physical running back, like an Eddie yeah, Lacy, small, like a Marshawn Lynch. like. Yeah, I mean, you know, if Rico Daddles cut Tony, twenty three would look sick on this one. I mean, I think twenty three so. looks good on a lot of people, so I agree. Yeah, that's easy. Um, yeah, that's, that's, we have a first. <laughs> we have a first here in BTB Roundtable history. We have a three way tie for the win. Now, this is how we're gonna break the tie. The first, by the way, Sam Jordan says Brandon Jacobs. That's a great call. Um, the first comment with one of these people's names. Wins the roundtable. Tony, Brandon, Sean, you're all tied. So the first person who says any one of your names, it truly is, uh, you know, hot on. on the press sort of situation. <laughs> I, I don't know who's going to get Brandon it. Jacobs. I saw Brandon first. I'm just <laughs> no, Brandon uh, Jacobs does, does not count good, for you, Brandon. Play, um, Those are my, these are my people, baby. These are my people. Your wife cannot count for you, Tony. <laughs> uh, then Ethan or Rick work then. Ethan, uh, come so, on, man. Tony stuffed the ballot. Um, with look, Tony, look at her profile I'm in picture. I want to change her profile picture to at least Got you know make this a little pic. less Stop obvious. The count. <laughs> so at least change the uh, last name, Rachel. <laughs> yes, her last name or profile picture be be a little bit more inconspicuous, Rachel. Uh, Ethan offers Tony, awesome, but but he did not capitalize the T. Um, Rick did uh, capitalize the T and Tony. Um, and um, yeah, so it seems like. The people yeah, have spoken. Brandon, Tony, yeah, Batflip. Yeah, uh, let's see here. Well, I'm getting back to the comment section. Uh, Watsamata says, if Tom Ryle is lurking, let him pick the winner. He is not. Uh, so our roundtable winner tonight, you know, man of the people is uh, – I actually accidentally wrote Tom. That was funny. Uh, but Tom, fresh on the mind. Tony Catalina, congratulations to you, sir. Uh, the people have spoken. Um, how do you feel? Um, do you feel a little bit fraudulent given that your your wife kind of helped push your you know you over the goal line? No, I mean they like me. They really like me, right? So I mean it feels good. Uh, no, nah, I was kidding. Um, no, nah, it's I love it. I mean I think it's because I'm a regular. Uh, Brandon is too. So maybe I shouldn't sell myself short. Maybe I did good tonight. I don't know. Brandon, do you feel like this was fair, or do you feel like you were robbed? I've got to give a shout out to Ethan. I mean, I think a couple of weeks ago, I think you referred to me as getting robbed. I mean, man, you could have helped me out on this one, dude. Come on. Wow. Sean, you um, aren't a common round tabler. Maybe we'll change that, um, you know, now that the full, full off season is here. Uh, do you feel like this was fair? Do you feel like this was democratic? Yeah, there's a reason I only do like one of these every four months. Uh, it, it's it's that right there. No, uh, it was it was fair only because you know there was like four comments that all came in at the same time for Tony, so it it, it definitely spun his way and uh, you know it pushed him over the goal line, like you said. Wow. Uh, well, Tony, congratulations uh, because you won the round table. You do not have to make a random sound, Tony. What you have to do um, is you have to tell us. Um, I said this to Connor as we, we finished the undrafted free agency video. So I'm going to say it again. An interesting, fun fact about life, about food, about geography, about the solar system, about animals. It can be anything you want. A fun fact. You've got to give us something where we all learn right here, and then we say goodbye. All right. So I'm pandering to you a little bit, and I'm not making this up. This is true. Um, I want us so all the people that are here listening, if you guys smoke meat and you got a pit boss smoker, I'm getting one because RJ got one. You sold me on it. If anybody has a recipe, I want to learn rather than me teaching you something, please teach me something. I want to learn a recipe. So wait a minute. The prompt was to teach everyone something. And instead of I doing that, that, you literally asked boss. for knowledge on something. But well, we're taught <laughs> you that you it's a good literally did the most me. polar opposite possible thing that you could do based on the prompt. So strip me of the wind. Do what you got to do. <laughs> I mean, do you not understand? Again, like, you know, I said, hey, Tony, I want you to, to give us the color blue. And you came up with red. And we're like, hey, man, here you go. <laughs> like, man, you just Sean Jackson, dude. You fumbled at the goal line. 
You I, really did. Fair enough. Oh. Fair enough. I would Give take it, it away, but I didn't hand it out. I can't take away what, what the other people Sean Jackson did. throwing the ball back over the goal line. Tony. <laughs> oh. um, Wow. Um, let's see here. Watson Mata says, I love Tony, but I don't feel good about this. Still an election. Uh, Brandon, please give us a fun fact. Please end us on the right note. Uh, let's see. Uh, one of our undrafted free agents uh, played his baseball with the Boston Red Sox. Cool. Well, I got a fun fact for Brandon. First article I ever wrote for Blog and the Boys was about Ify Melifonwu. Love it. Why do I, I like remember him and at the same time? Syracuse. Yeah. Syracuse, man. I get it. And we're from Wait. the same city, so I had to enter my BT update, BTB days talking about a kid from Worcester. Okay, so. so your first fun fact was actually the opposite of a fact, and your second fun fact only that, applied to one singular person. RJ, I got one more, uh, and you're gonna you're gonna hate me for it, but uh, it's another Syracuse reference. Jalen Brooks, our seventh round draft pick, is actually best friends with former uh, recent draft pick uh, uh, Garrett Williams from Syracuse. They went to high school together. And actually, uh, one of our BTB guys, uh, Chris Holly, went to school with both of them. So, shout out to Chris. Sean, did did learning any of this improve your life? Well, I've learned throughout the course of the night that Brandon is like the Syracuse insider here. Fun fact: this, well, I guess this is one fact one A, but I actually I got into Syracuse. I didn't go, yeah. but I I could have been a Syracuse orange. So, but yeah, Brandon guess who Brandon like, roots for, Sean? It's difficult to tell, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Uh, well, congratulations <laughs> to Tony. I guess. Um, we all lost after you won. So I felt the down. love in that. 